guys ready to get in the Word today? Come on, you guys ready to get in the Word today? All right. Well, let's, let's start with a miracle, all right? So when I was um, 40 years old, I looked in the mirror and saw this guy that looked like he was about 50. Uh, my cholesterol was high and all this stuff. I just, I, I got to start getting active. The stress of pastoring, the inactivity. How many you know that Christians, the word fellowship is actually, in the original Greek, the word potluck? And so, hey, let's get together. And there was always food involved. So I, yeah, I was about 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And my cholesterol was high. And they're trying to put me on statin drugs. And I was on statin drugs. And just, I got to get active. So I thought, what's the thing that I want to do? And for some weird reason, running became something I wanted to do. Now, I, I hadn't ran in many years. Since my drill sergeant stopped chasing me, I've avoided running at all costs. And, but we ran, and we liked it. Ran our first 10-mile, and we, we trained for our, our first marathon. It was the Disney Marathon. It was over our anniversary. It was in Florida. It was January. It was warm. And the biggest hill at the Disney Marathon is the overpass. It's like 30 feet elevation, and it's nice and flat. Again, you run through parks. They feed you. And if Mickey Mouse, Steamboat or not, doesn't cheer you up, there's something wrong with your soul, right? So all four parks you get to run through. You get free tickets to go to the park the next day, even though you can't move. So it's just kind of mean, you know. And, uh, and two and a half miles into my 26-mile run, my knee goes out. And it went out because I had bad form. I, I was running, training, and, and you know, I'm running the way I've always run. It's natural to me, but as I'm running I, and you get tired, you start to slouch in your back and your hamstrings, and you, you kind of do this walking dead sort of a, a walk, you know, and, and then my knee goes out and everything's messed up. If it hadn't been for Dina staying right in front of me and inspiring me, I'm sorry, um, keeping me motivated to move forward. Um, I'd have never made it. And I wanted to quit, and she, she actually had a pep talk with me. We're running for kids in Romania, and she said, hey, you know, this, this is an all or nothing. It wasn't by the mile. Either we finish, and people will pay their pledges and help orphans in Romania, or, or they, they won't. Like, we have to finish. Now, you can quit anytime you want. You can go back to the car. You can be comfortable in 10 minutes. But if you don't finish this race, those kids are going to be in pain a lot longer than you will. So this is the words of my sweet pastor's wife. She said, so put on your big girl panties and just get it done. Man, she knows how to motivate me in two ways. So we, we finished the race. I couldn't walk for the next, like, week to three weeks without looking like, like something from The Walking Dead. And uh, my, uh, can I share what my stepdad said, or is that just too far on a Sunday morning? Okay, my wife has given me direct permission. So I got up to get a drink of water. When I did, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm walking. And he says, Jimmy, you look like you stuffed a potato chip up your butt, and you're trying not to break it. <laughs> a wonderful poetic man, you know. And it's like, hey, that, I'd like beat you up, but I can't move. You know, I, I got, it, got my drink of water, went back to my chair, did everything wrong. And, and what I learned was after that race was it wasn't that I'm, I'm incapable. I had no potential to run a marathon or be honest, that my form was bad. When you run improperly, you hurt yourself. And, and you say, that's, that's great, Jim. What does that have to do with anything? It has to do with your prayer life. Because I think what happens is if we, if we pray, and the way we pray doesn't produce, or the way we pray is difficult, or the way we pray is so unnatural, or the way we pray... Listen, I had to work on my stride. I had to go from a heel striker to a midsole striker. You, know, I, you run like heel to, to toe and all that stuff, and it injures everything. But if you learn to run on the flats of your feet so that your foot absorbs it, you can run all day. We ran 150 miles in 10 days. Um, just a few years later to raise money for kids in Haiti and all that kind of stuff. Injury-free, had a great time, put on seven pounds. That's how good of a time I had running 150 miles and put on seven pounds. That's a gift. Most people can't eat that much. I can. It's grace, my friend. It's grace. And once the inflammation went down, it was the same weight as before, but it was probably seven pounds of just my body's liquid. Never mind. It doesn't matter, but... 
we, uh, I learned to run differently. And, and I think if we learn to pray in a way that doesn't cause us injury and gives us greater result, we'll pray to our potential. And most of us are like, I prayed and nothing happened. It's like, oh, boo-hoo. Come on. We, we've got to learn how to pray because Jesus wants to hear our voice. Something amazing happens when we unleash heaven from earth. And so we're going to talk about that today. And, uh, and we're going to talk about from this viewpoint right here. Here's a biblical command. By the way, the line in the screen, our projector messed up this last week. Got a new one coming this week. So sorry about the line. Uh, if you don't see it, you need to get your eyes checked. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. This are two different versions. But here's the thought of it. Pray continually. That's the shortest verse in the Bible other than Jesus wept. Pray without ceasing. That's literally what it means. When Paul's telling the Thessalonians, this is your spiritual life. I want you to be grateful, thankful in all circumstances. Pray continually. He's giving this like boom, boom, boom shot of just this is how you, how you live your Christian life. This is spiritual disciplines 101. He says pray continually. Now when I say you, listen, the Bible says you are to never stop praying. Some of you feel like I just told you to run 100 mile a week. Like, man, I can't run two miles. I, I can't pray 10 minutes. <laughs> pray without ceasing. I'll get right on that. Like, I'll get in shape one of these days. Let me know what I'm talking about. Like, it's on a list that says don't do these things. We know they're important, like broccoli and, and what's the new grain that everybody eats that tastes so bad? What is it? Quinoa. Quichi, right? Who's going to eat that stuff? It's just, whoa. It's like a grain field had a sinus infection. It's called quinoa. It's awful. It's just little snotty. Blech. Blech. Anyway, enjoy that. If that's you, enjoy that. So we're going to talk about various forms of prayer. I'm going to help you maybe find your stride. Because you say, I'm, I'm just, I just don't pray this way. That's okay. There's lots of ways to pray. And, and once you realize, hey, this isn't just me, like, talking to myself. This isn't just me. Like, like, I'm literally praying most of my day not appreciating the fact that God is listening to what I'm saying right now. That even though I'm not going to my place, folding my hands, closing my eyes, doing my thing, praying my beads, like, you don't have to do that for God to hear you. If prayer is talking to God, you're doing it a lot more frequently than you think you are, and I think you're doing it with a much greater effect than you can possibly imagine. I just was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He, he uh, hit a piece of snow uh, the wrong way, slid off the road, and just totaled the side of his car. His vehicle still works, but he, it, it's like the car that's held together by duct tape, and there used to be taillights, but now there's red tissue paper and one of those deals. He said, I, I went right between these two trees, and I, I, I could tell that his, his tone was grateful. Instead of saying, man, you know, where was God when I hit the snowbank? He's like, I, I literally could have died. I'm heading right for this tree, and somehow I caught traction just far enough. And we, we just began to unearth that a little bit. So you know what happened? 50 years ago, a, a tree somewhere in the area dropped a seed, and the seed hit the ground, and God sent a car to go by. So when that seed germinated and began to grow, it was in the right place so you wouldn't hit it. Isn't that shocking? That 50 years ago, God moved a seed or withheld the rain until it was in the right place so that when you went off the road, you'd still live. It's shocking. So this, this attitude of understanding God's always moving on our behalf. So something bad happens. Trust me, for every bad thing that happens, there was a million things you didn't appreciate that God did. Like, he's always loving on you. He's always orchestrating for you. He's always working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Let's talk about the various types of prayer. This is the most common prayer. It's the appointment prayer. I'm going to go to a place at a time. People say, hey, can we get together Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock? I, I wish I could, but I have an appointment. Well, that appointment is on the ball field in my office, my mobile Dodge office. 
also known as the White Room, and I sit in that truck in, in the blizzard, and whatever it is, I look at that flag, I look at this church, and I pray. I seek the Lord. It's my appointment with God. I open the Bible. Um, there's no distractions. The radio's not on. Sometimes even the engine bothers me enough, just the noise. It, ADD is a wonderful thing. And, and just sitting there, it's like the engine's bugging me because it's making, it's revving up and going down. It's, a, it's not a Ford. It's a Dodge. You know what I'm saying? It does, it has a heartbeat. And and I, I'm, I'm sitting there, but that's my appointment. And when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, this is what they're asking. Like, we, you have appointments. We all have the time of prayer. We all have the temple. We all have the ceremony. But you, like, find time to take off, and you disappear for, like, all night. And you come back with this look on your face that says, I've spent the night with God. Teach us to pray. Te teach us him. Teach us heart. Don't teach us words. Teach us heart. Teach us his hands. Teach us his face. Teach us how to know him and seek him and we, we're hungry. We see you having something we don't have. We're all raising the dead. We're all healing the sick. We're all cleansing lepers. I mean, these disciples were two years into their walk with Christ. They've been sent out twice, but they're just, but when you come back, you're happier than when you left. When we go out, we fall asleep. Tell us how to live in prayer the way you do. So here you go. This is real simple. You ready? You need to set a time for your appointment. You need a consistent time. It's a time you protect. It's a time you value. People who say, I have no time to pray, somehow find 116 minutes a day to be on Facebook. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This side's much holier than this side. Nobody amend over here. I'm just saying, it's because you didn't hear what I say because you were looking at like you, you face or Facebook or live stream or whatever, right? So set a time. It's an appointment with God. Set a place. You know, open your heart in that time, in that place. Like if you want to get the attention of God, just tell him you love him. Like any time you say, God, I'm just here because of you. Like the presence of God will flood places where you're at. You say, all right, here's all my troubles. I'm not saying God doesn't care about your troubles, but what if we start with how big he was before we talk about how big your mountains are? It sets the proper perspective. Hallowed be your name, right? You read your Bible, and God's just not speaking to me. Oh, yeah? Can you read? If you can read, God's talking to you. That Bible is the word of God. It's the breath of God, the theonusos. All scriptures, God breathed, useful for correcting, rebuking, exhorting, and training, encouraging. They said everybody's going to have everything they need. So the man of God, woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like if you don't think God's talking to you, you're not opening the book. You don't know what to, what do I say to God? Open the book, talk. And please don't open it like it's a Ouija board. Okay, yeah. Okay, Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, that's not what I wanted to see today. You know, uh, here, go and do likewise. God, is that you? No. I didn't tell you to go hang yourself like Judas. You just, but it's not a Ouija board. It's not a, it's not a, a, a bingo game. It's not spin the wheel. Like, you got to study the word of God. You got to hear what he's saying to you, and you got to hear it in context because it's someone talking to someone about something for a certain occasion, for a certain purpose. Now, every word of God is for you, kind of. But, but if you know who's talking to who, it, it, if you don't, it's very confusing. Because one person says, listen, it's by grace you're saved through faith. And another one says, listen, faith without works is dead. Well, which one's right? Think of it this way. When someone is, is you know, if I weighed 700 pounds and I look like Jabba the Hutt in bike shorts, are brownies good for me or bad for me? So if you wrote me a letter, you say, hey, Jabba, you know, you already got eight chins. You're working on nine. So don't eat brownies. Well, somebody read this. Listen, brownies are evil. Don't eat brownies. But if I weighed 80 pounds and I was desperately in need of calories, you say, listen, eat the whole plate, sweetie. Just, and when you're done, stick one underneath each armpit. Maybe osmosis. Like, just, like, you should eat brownies. You should, I mean, put some wheat in there. Put some of those little snot ball grain things in there to make it healthy for you. But quinoa brownies, it'll never happen. Because <laughs> one would ruin the other, you know? 
But so God's talking to you, yes? But you gotta, you got to know the conversation. So be seeking his face, worship, read your Bible, listen to what he says to you, and have a journal. Write down things to God. Something happens when you say it, then when you think it. Something happens when you think it, you say it, and you write it. And what's great about journals, you can go back 10 years from now and see how God has progressed you. The prayers that God has answered, the doors that God has opened, or the stuff that hasn't changed and begin to drill into that for a while. Why am I still wrestling with the same demons I should, have, I should have pinned years ago, right? So these are the things. I don't know how to pray. Just do some other stuff in God's presence, and let's call it prayer. Come on, reading the Bible is prayer, if you read it right. Journaling is prayer, if you journal right. Worshiping is prayer, if, if you're worshiping God. Prayer is being close enough to Him that interaction takes place. It's not just a recited prayer, right? So if you do that every day, you think you're going to grow? Come on, you're going to grow. How can you not grow in that environment? Planting seeds in good soil, worshiping the Lord, journaling, you are going to grow. But there's lots of ways. So that's the appointment prayer. Look at this one. How about the short prayer? I almost called it the small prayer, and the Lord said there's no such thing as a small prayer. You look at places like Acts chapter 10, verse 9, Peter. He comes to this place. He's traveling. I think it's Joppa. He gets into the town of Joppa, and he says, lunch ready? Like, lunch isn't ready, dude. He's like, okay, I'm just going to go upstairs and just, just have a quick word of prayer. Now, listen, there are times where Peter prayed. At the time of prayer, Peter went to the synagogue. At the time of prayer, Peter went up to the temple. At the time of prayer, Peter was praying on it. This is not the time of prayer. This is literally, like, he doesn't have much time. He's literally going to be up there for an undetermined amount of time until lunch is ready. How long does it take to fix lunch? You know what I mean? It's a sandwich. It's, it's bread. It's fish. It's soup. It's a, it doesn't take long. Is lunch ready? No. Okay. I'm going to go up on the roof. And I think kind of like I did last week in Dallas, you kind of find a 71-degree day, and you haven't seen one in about eight years. I'm sorry, months. And, and I sat out in front of a restaurant, and I just, I literally, I embarrassed myself, and I don't care. I, I just kind of like laid, like, I moved my chair so that I was in everybody's way trying to walk to this restaurant. And I just looked up at the sun, and I just sat there and soaked it up, and I just had this moment of prayer. Now listen, something amazing happened. I got vitamin D, hallelujah. But the second thing that happened, like for just a few moments, as I was waiting for someone else to show up for lunch, I connected with my creator in a tangible way. Now when Peter does this, God suddenly gives him this vision. He falls into what he calls a trance. It's a little hard to translate well into our vernacular because we don't really have a word for it. But suddenly a strong imagination, like it, was, it wasn't like he couldn't have stopped it, like he was, he was possessed by something, but he, he saw something and he was intrigued by it in his heart and his imagination. And he sees this and it's this sheet coming down with unclean animals on it. And God's saying something. He doesn't know what it is. And he hears a voice, Peter, kill and eat. He's like, I can't eat that. That's, that's not kosher. I can't eat. That's off the kosher diet. I'm an Orthodox Jew. I know the, the book of Leviticus. I'm not allowed to eat those things. Don't be eating things with a clove. I can't eat pigs. I can't eat snakes. I'm not going to eat these things. Certainly not. And it comes down again. Peter, kill and eat. No. Third time, Peter, I, no. And finally, God speaks to him again and says, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And what he's doing is he's preparing Peter to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, not a Jew. You talk about kosher meat, those guys were not kosher meat. Those guys were pork. Those guys were bacon. Those guys were bacon wrapped in bacon. They, they were not just like Gentiles. They were Romans. They were the ones suppressing God's people. But there was this guy named Cornelius that, that we're going to talk about a little bit later that was, he just loved God even though he didn't know who he was. He worshiped. He prayed. He, he went along with the, with the heart of God, though he didn't know his name. And God is going to send Peter to him. Let me tell you, just come back to this. It was a short prayer. What kind of prayer was it? It lasted literally maybe 90 seconds. And I can draw a straight line from that prayer while he's waiting for lunch to your salvation. Well, I don't have time to pray. Sure you do. God, thanks for that beautiful sunrise. Thanks for that beautiful sunset. God, thanks for the songs on the radio. Thanks that 
you know, whatever. Just, just in his presence. Listen, God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. But connecting with him is, is like pray without ceasing. Do we really think we're supposed to go in the closet, close the door, fold our hands, get our knees? Like that's what God's saying? No. There's more than one way to pray. Nothing wrong with the closet. Nothing wrong with kneeling. Nothing wrong with saying God's speak. Nothing wrong with fighting for it. Nothing wrong with spiritual warfare. All completely biblical. Jesus lived all of these models. But you've got to understand, guys, sometimes you don't have time to do that. Sometimes in the moment, I just like just waiting for lunch. I just, hey, Lord, how's it going? I'm supposed to reach the entire Gentile world. Okay, you have a good day too. Look at, look at Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1. Nehemiah's city, this is, you know, several hundred years before the, the first illustration we gave here. Um, Israel's first been conquered by their own sin, and then, as usual, by a foreign king. The city, their capital, their Washington, D.C., has been destroyed. There's not a rock on top of another one that built the walls. The gates have been burned with fire. The whole thing is just a shambles and a shame. Those who lived in the city that were caught are now slaves. Those who weren't are in great despair. There's great shame. Like anybody can come in and say, you, you know, clean this off my boot. And they, they can't say no because they have no country. They have no army. Anybody stronger than them. They're utterly bullied. And so Nehemiah has been brought into captivity. And his job is to drink the wine of the king. The king goes, I want wine. And his job is to bring the wine, stand it there. And the king had the right to say, you drink it first because I, I think it might be poisoned. How many of you guys know you think your retirement is bad? Like this, there's no 401k. This is just a drop dead or live scenario. And so when the cupbearer comes and his, his, he hears how bad Israel is, how bad Jerusalem is, where his fathers are buried, where Israel's history is, that, you know, Washington, D.C. has been burned and Russia's now, it's just awful. I'm sorry, I'm from the 80s, so it's, it's Russia. I don't know. Never mind. They'll go there. So, but I, when Rocky beat that Russian, am I right? Like, that was a good day. Good day. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! It was a hockey game, but I believe in miracles, right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, YouTube, but it's hilarious. So, he, uh, and, and he ends up doing this, this thing where he brings the wine, and the king looks at him and goes, you know, your demeanor means a lot. I'm looking at you to find out if I'm about to be poisoned, and the look on your face is not happy. By the way, it was a capital crime. You could be killed for not being happy in the presence of the king. He was to be surrounded by people. I'm so glad to be your slave. Gee, I hope there's poison in here, and I get to save your life. I have a great life. Thank you, king. I'm a dog, you know? So he goes, what's wrong with you? And he goes... Why do you look so sad? He said, well, because the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins. By the way, the king that he's talking to is the one that destroyed the city. You know that thing you did that you were happy about? It makes me sad. He's about to die. And the king says, what do you want? He's asking him, and this is what it says. It says in verse 4, then I prayed to God and answered the king. Now, let me ask you a question. How long did he pray to God before he answered the king? Right? This is not a, give me a moment, I'll be right back. It's not that time. You know, what do you, what do you want? How long will it take? Where are you, you going to go? What's going on? Give me some answers. And he goes, okay. How many of you guys know that sometimes the greatest prayer we can pray is, you're with me, right? Because I'm about to die. Like, I'm going to go walk on water, but you're out there, right? How many of you know, when the guy says, you, you need to make a decision right here and right now, if it's a car salesman, ignore it. But, but if it's like, you need to make a choice, there's a God choice before you. Listen, sometimes you don't have time for a month of prayer and fasting, but you always have time for, I'm about to say something, please let it be you. And so he says, this is what I need, and this is where I'll go, and this is what's going on. And you understand what I'm saying? There was a short prayer. Listen, there's no such thing as a small prayer. And never discount short prayers as if they're not huge. A, a nation's capital and eventually a nation was rebuilt 
and it began with a short prayer. You still here? Imagine, no, we need a nation to be rebuilt. And a lot of places, we need our nation to be rebuilt. How's it going to be done? There's going to be people praying in closets and interceding and warfare. There's going to be some other people that when given an opportunity won't know what to say. and will just say, okay, I'm about to open my mouth. You're going to help me here, right? And they're going to talk. And Jesus is going to come out of their face. I love it. There's another prayer. It's called it's just the wish prayer. There's actually a word. Echuomai, uh, which sounds like a Star Wars character that hung out with Chewbacca. Chewbacca's cousin, Echuomai. It really, literally means the word wish. We find it here and in four other places. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Dear friends, I pray. It actually means I, I wish. I wish that you may be, enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along. That you be in health and prosper as your soul prospers. This is not, this is even less than the short prayer. This literally is a prayer. It's kind of like, you know, my attitude towards you when I'm with God is that you would just be blessed. When I think of you, I just, ugh, God bless that guy. What's that mean? It means something to God. And that wish, and I'll tell you something. You say, well, that's even smaller. No such thing as small in the presence of God. Hear me, guys. No matter how small it is, it is multiplied by an infinite God. Come on. A God who wants his kingdom to come to earth, who wants to bless his children, who wants the nations to be filled with the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. When we align ourselves with him in a small thing, his infiniteness can be expanded through that small opening of prayer. And this even in prayer. This is just, you know, and I think about you, I just, you know, God bless the Freedom Center Day. What do I even mean by that? I, it's just like, and I pray that Matt, you know, spelled M-A-T-T-H-E, who lives in and has, and his wife, Kim, and their 19 children, and I have to mention them all by name, with, I need social security numbers. Like, how many of you guys know I can just say, God bless Matt today, and God knows what that means? Don't discount that. Don't discount that your smallest prayer is multiplied by an infinite God does amazing things. Dina, the other day, and I told you this, and we'll kind of give you the rest of the report, but would it be three weeks ago, Friday? We're driving back from California to Arizona, and she says, I just got this, this on my heart. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, I want a big house. It's like, I just, this God, God's stirring something in me. And she said it out loud, man, I, one of these days, wouldn't it be great if, and she described this place in vague detail, wasn't specific detail. I said, well, tell me what it's like so I, could, I know what I'm looking for. She said, I'll know it when I see it, but I know what it is, but I can't, it isn't like it's got this color and there's a, there's a persimmon tree in the front yard. It wasn't like a vision, but it was. It was like something in her heart knew a place that she'd never been to before. So two days later, it's Sunday morning. I put a prayer card right over there. God, my wife has this dream, and I want to dream it with her, so help her. That afternoon, someone Facebooks her and says, hey, we're, we're interested in buying your home. I mean, you know it's nice to sell a house when it's not for sale. That happened. So we, we signed papers. It was one week to the day. Next Friday morning from I've got a dream to, to selling the home. It was sold the next, the next Friday, so in a week's time. We started looking, came back last week, reported to you that we're looking for a house. We made an offer. It's been accepted, and we're moving in May. And, and I, you say, well, that, what was that? Well, that wasn't even, like, we didn't even say. God, I pray that 910 First Street will sell above asking price to... Christian people who will love our neighbors and continue the ministry. How many guys know there was? It was just like you know, wouldn't it be great? How many guys know God's always listening? And I thought we were just dreaming and scheming. I didn't even know what to pray for yet. I just you know, God, my wife's got a dream, but I don't know the details of it. She doesn't know the details of it. But God was just waiting for this this moment where you put your foot into a river, not knowing what's happening in the promised land. Just 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 walk, just move. It's hard for me to steer a ship that's not moving. You can turn the wheel all you want, but unless there's some wind in your sails, it doesn't go anywhere. 
And so this, just even the smallest wish, hear me, God has answered thousands of prayers I have not even yet prayed. And I just walk along and go, well, that's a blessing. I didn't know I needed a best friend. That's a blessing. I, you know, someone calls you out of the blue and says, hey, they're running these great deals on these truck leases right now. And are you, you know, are you even interested? It's like, well, I just said yesterday to my wife, I'm thinking about getting rid of the truck because it's getting high in miles and I want to lease and I want to spend a lot of money. And the next day somebody calls you, is that a coincidence? No, and it wasn't a prayer either. It's just God hearing our hearts. Something happens when something inside of us comes through us in words. God created the heavens and the earth with words. And God continues to create his kingdom through you with your words. You are his kids after all. You're his image bearers. You guys still here? This wasn't warfare prayer. And there is warfare prayer. I'm just trying to help you to understand that even your conversations to God become prayers. So if you're ever talking about your dreams, your futures, your hopes, your fears, trust me, friends, you're praying. If you ever have this short time, I just, oh, the boss says what I want. Okay, we cool. That, that simple, I'm acknowledging you because I'm about to go here and you're going there with me. How many guys would go anywhere God sends you as long as he went with you? That, that's what that is. This, inter, this interaction between God and Moses in the burning bush lasted 90 seconds. And the world has been irreversibly changed ever since. The last thing you probably don't know about prayer is this. You guys still here? It's the memorial of prayer. Back to Caesarea in this, this house of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10 and uh, verse 1. It says, at Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Now, they didn't know the Messiah, but they, they, they saw the God of creation, and they were just like, uh, he, he's worthy of something. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now, look at this. Your prayers... This angel is going to say to him, your prayers, Cornelius, and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial. Everybody say memorial. A memorial offering before God. Here's something that most, almost nobody knows. And, and you've got to hear me because this will change your prayer life more than anything else I've said. Are you ready? Your prayer on this earth becomes substance in heaven before God. This memorial was built through a consistent God, whoever you are and wherever you are, my heart is to bless you. Poor people break my heart. I, they must break yours too. I don't know who you are, but I know you're good and you wouldn't want this to happen. So poor people here, take money. I'm going to come back the next day and say, God, wherever you are and whoever you are, I pray your blessings today. I, I, I need your help. I'm weak and you're strong. I recognize that. And, it, and, and there's another brick put in the memorial and another block put on top of it, another piece of sculpture and another and eventually and, and this is all metaphor please hear me I don't I don't know what I'm about to say is true but but it's as if God is walking through heaven and he looks and he sees this beautiful monument that's it's fully built and it's a memorial and he looks and says whose name is on that memorial and he looks and he sees that it's, it's Cornelius and he goes you know what that man's been praying to me for a long time taking care of my people for a long time it's time that man knew who he's praying to listen some of you've been praying for a long time and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. And so understand this. There is not a single prayer. Hear me. There's not a single prayer you have ever prayed that isn't still in the presence of God, effectually working His will on your behalf. God, help me. It's still there. God, I pray that you give me a good wife someday. It's still there. If she ain't, it's still there. God, my kids are wayward. They need to come home. 
God, my family screwed up and I need your help. These prayers are not just prayed and become vapor that dissipates. Hear me. Your prayers are substance. Look, look at this, guys. Now, faith is the what? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The writer of Hebrews says, yeah, I, I concur with, with what this, this word is in the, when Luke wrote in Acts about, about Caesarea and, and about Cornelius. Like, it's true. Our prayers, our, our words here, they're vapor, it's breath, it's sound, it goes away and it dissipates and it's gone. But in the presence of God, it never disappears. Every prayer you pray, people ask me sometimes, and I, I hope that this doesn't sound arrogant and I hope that this doesn't sound humble. I just hope that this sounds true. People come and they say, okay, it's, it's small town America and, and the Freedom Center is a substantially sized uh, and, and influential ministry. How, how is that possible? This is what I tell them every time. You ready? The Freedom Center is truly nothing special and it's a complete miracle. Now how those can both be true, I don't know, but they're both true. It's like, you know, Pastor Jim, you know, it's that, it's that candy striper pink shirt he's wearing. It's just the anointing is on that shirt. I love that blue vest. He wears it three out of four Sundays, and it just makes me feel comfortable to see that blue vest. You know, it's that worship leader. We don't have a worship leader. We have worship leaders. We don't have a speaker. We have speakers. We don't have a leader. We have leaders. What is special about the Freedom Center? Nothing. We are doing what everybody else is doing. But... At the same time, there's this beautiful, miraculous fruitfulness that comes from it. Can you explain that, Pastor Jim? What's your secret? How are you? What's the sauce you put on the... Listen, I believe with all of my heart that what we see today is the direct result of altars that have been built for 50 years in this community. Because our prayers haven't changed from Pastor Burke and Sister Burke, and they haven't changed. God, win the lost. God, let maybe be a city set on a hill with lights so bright that the world can see you. God, may our good deeds shine before men that they give glory to our Father in heaven. Our prayers haven't changed. We are praying people. Not everybody, so I'm not a praying person. I think I've told you today, your short prayers are still prayers. Your appointment prayers are still prayers. Your, your, your wishes, your conversations are still prayers. Your worship is prayer. Your journaling is prayer. Your, 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 your thoughts that never even come out of your mouth is prayer. David says, know me, know my heart, know my thoughts. God knows our thoughts. Our thoughts are prayers. And when you put them all together, somehow, because of the prayers of those who preceded us, there's a memorial that's come up. It's been built and established. And God says, I'm just going to bless that city. There was a time, guys, when across the way in the industrial plaza, babe, help me out, 90% maybe of those things were out of business and, and for sales. About 90%, is that right? It might have been 100% even at one time. Like they were, maybe they were out of business, but they were closed down. All the jobs went away. Dina and the women's ministry felt led one night to go walk all around the industrial complex, point at buildings and say, in Jesus' name, prosper. Prosper. You say, oh, that's silly. Every building is full. Well, the economy changed. Not everywhere. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you guys, I believe that one of the reasons Fenton is blessed is because the people of God have been asking God to bless Fenton. We built a memorial. Now, let me ask you this. What memorial is built on behalf of your family? Your wife, your husband, your children. What, what memorial's been built for those that aren't saved on your street? What memorial's been built? We are every, hear me, every prayer you've ever prayed is still active and substantial in the presence of God. It hasn't dissipated. On earth it dissipates. On heaven it is established until God answers that prayer. Stand to your feet, please, all over this room. Some of you are about to be the fulfillment of the prayers that others have prayed for you though they did not know you though they've been dead for years and years and years they pray that there be a place where 
people would understand the heart of God, the word of God, the decisions would be made that would honor God. You're standing in a miracle. That's made out of stuff that's nothing special. The only thing that makes it special is God said, I'm commanding my blessing there. And if you think it's just here, you're wrong. God's been answering those prayers through the rock. <laughs> how, many, how many thousands of people come to Christ through that ministry? God's answering prayers through First Baptist downtown. You know, but through the centuries, that thing was there in the Civil War. In this city, people praying in the 1860s. And Harvest House, and House of Prayer. Guys, listen, we live in a place that's blessed. Why? Because for centuries, people have been building memorials in the presence of God that this would be blessed ground. Now, what could happen if we started praying for Flint? It's time for there to be a memorial built in the presence of God on behalf of that city. 20 minutes that way. Do this right now. Close your eyes, all this room. If you need something from God, I got good news. He's a good God. He loves answering prayer. He created a million times a million times a million different sounds. Loud, unpleasant sounds like artillery shells going off, little whispers that the human ear can't hear to help bats navigate in the dark. The sound of a baby's first breath. The sound of people dying. The sound of laughter. The sound of blowing little, little noises on a, a three-month-old baby's tummy that makes him giggle for the first time, even though he's almost freaked out by giggling because it's a new thing, you know. But of all the sounds God created, he loves to hear the sound of your voice speaking to him in faith. So what do you need? Well, I don't want to bother God. Then just whisper it to him, and maybe, maybe that whisper multiplied by his infiniteness is enough to move mountains. God won't move a mountain if it's not for your good. You guys realize that, right? is isn't some sort of ultra-prosperity thing. If you want a new house, just fill out a card. I'm not saying that. God put something on my wife's heart that became something that, that then evolved. It was birthed in the spirit so God could bless it into the physical world. Does that make sense? It's not birthed in the spirit. You don't want it. You can't sustain it. It'll be a burden to you. The Lord's blessing makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow to it. There's not a weight. It's a blessing. Hear me. I believe God has blessings for those who ask. Everyone who asks receives. To him who seeks, he'll find. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. These are the promises of Jesus. So let's build something right now, shall we? What's the thing you need God to do? Tell him right now, right where you are. Pray. God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to help them. God, I need answers and solutions. God, Flint, it's just breaking my heart. And I just pray for a city. I build, I put another brick on top of that memorial for a revival to come to the city of Flint, God, and Saginaw and Detroit. May they not be the top 10 anything list except the ton, top 10 most prosperous, blessed, revival, powerful epicenters of the kingdom of God, Lord. Let there be a new list written and let Flint be at the top of it, we pray. In Jesus' name. How many guys know, by praying that and agreeing in faith, seeing it, even though it's invisible right now, you can see it, another substance was added to something that will never dissipate in the presence of God. You just built something. We just added something to that memorial as God is waiting for the fulfillment of the prayers of his people, for that time of fulfillment to come so that he will answer in a moment what's been prayed for decades sometimes. If you need forgiveness for your sins, God loves the sound of your voice. If you need healing for your body, God loves the sound of your voice. 
Matter of fact, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, prayer team, would you come and just stand at the front of this altar, be prepared to pray for people this morning? I feel like today we need to take steps of faith. We've been teaching on prayer, but what good is teaching if there's not action behind it? What good is inspiration without application? What good is faith without works? If you believe that God answers prayer, and you believe that we're two or more gathered together in His name, He's there in the midst. And if you believe that you ask for anything according to His will, that, that He hears your prayers, and he'll, he'll give you what His will is for you, His good, perfect, pleasing will. If you believe that if any among you is sick, you should ask the elders of the church to come forward. They should anoint him with oil and pray. And those who are prayed for in that manner by elders of the church with faith in the heart, they shall recover. That's the word of God. Those are promises. That's what we stand on. That's what gives us faith to step out from our seat this morning and receive ministry, the ministry of prayer. Or you just walk up and say, I don't want to tell anybody what I'm going through, but God knows it. Would you just pray for me that God would get me through this season? Like that's all you got to say. You don't have to be specific. If you want to be specific, be grossly specific. You're not going to shock anybody at this altar including God. Amen? How many of you guys believe faith and a prayer answering God will produce a prayer-loving people? God, make us a prayer That's my prayer. Make us a prayer-loving people. Make us a prayer-loving people, God. If you're not right with the Lord right now, tell Him, I need you. I need mercy. I need help. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a fresh, clean, brand-new, born-again slate right here, right now. Old things pass away. All things becoming new in this instant. Thank you, Jesus, that all that is needed, every debt has been paid. You did it for us. What you did is sufficient for what we did to be forgiven. We accept it by faith. Faith is substance. Faith is substance. Faith is substance. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. When I say go, there's three choices. One is altar for prayer. Two is go get your kids. Three is go get your kids. And then come back to the guest room. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'd love to say hi. And uh, get your name, your face, all that kind of stuff. All right? How many of you guys are ready to go pray? Go pray. Go pray. Get out of here. Go pray. Get in your car and pray. Jesus is waiting for you. Go to the restaurant and pray. Jesus is waiting for you. You need prayer at this altar this morning? Come on up here. Jesus and his altar team is waiting for you.